This episode of the My Hockey Life podcast is brought to you by the Nolan Insurance Company. Since being founded in 1933 by James J. Nolan Sr., Nolan Insurance Company has been family-owned and operated by the Nolan family. Throughout our 85 years, our vision and mission has remained the same, to take care of our customers using a strong work ethic and family values to treat you, our customer, as a member of our Nolan Insurance family. Our experienced team can analyze your insurance needs and suggest the best options for your home and auto insurance, commercial insurance, and much more. As an independent agency, we have only your best interests in mind. You'll find our dedicated staff is friendly, knowledgeable, and ready to help at any of our three locations. The Nolan Insurance Company. Welcome to the My Hockey Live podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined today by the Boston Globe and Hockey Night in Boston's Jim Clark. Jim, welcome back to the podcast. What's happening, Brandon? Again, I'm still getting used to those uh, new titles before my name, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's been an interesting uh, transition so far. But, uh, ready to talk some hockey. Hey, you had your first uh, off season as a free agent, so it must exactly. have been, must have been exciting uh, in some ways. Yeah, um, yeah. Everyone everyone goes through it, and you know, my uh, my agent took care of me uh, okay. So. Right. Yeah. Hey, hey, if Tom Brady can be a free agent, anybody could be, right? Exactly. <laughs> so we're thrilled to have you back here on the podcast. Uh, I want to talk a bit about what you've seen over the course of the last week or so in high school hockey, Massachusetts. Um, I want to start off here with the BC High versus Zavarian. Uh, what many were, were saying was an upset by Zavarian over BC High, who seems to have kind of come back to earth a little bit. Yeah, I mean, BCI losing uh, back-to-back games last week against um, you know CM and then Zaverian. Um, you know, I, I think that's just kind of you know uh, a sign of what's going on in high school hockey this year. There's really you know no standout team anywhere to be found. I mean, there's a lot of good teams and they're all very competitive. And I think on any given night, uh, you, know, you can say that a lot of years, but I think more so this year, uh, there just isn't really that you know that one. Or two teams like BCI and Pope Francis kind of have been the last couple of years where you can just kind of pencil them in as, you know, pretty much automatic W's on a given night. Um, you know, the Catholic Conference, we all know, there's, you know, there's no easy points in that league anyway. But uh, I think, you know, more so this year, you're really seeing that, uh, you know, you can't take anything for granted. And it's, it's really made things interesting this year. So you had uh, Ryan Pompaselli with the game winner. Uh, I'm sorry, with the, uh, sorry, Ryan Pompaselli tied that game. Um, at one, and then Jack Silva had the game winner for the Hawks with three minutes to play. Um, so interesting to see Zavarian kind of making a move here at this point. We've got a couple of kids that have been around forever. Matty Ryan and Ryan Pompaselli have been at BC at um, sorry, at Zavarian for a long time, uh, playing in their senior seasons, and uh, it looks like that team is on the rise. Yeah, I mean, you got to you know figure that you get a couple a team with a couple of really good veteran seniors like that. It's it's not really the norm in high school hockey these days. You might get one or two uh, you know decent players who might stick around, but you know it just you know says something about those guys that have kind of stuck with their program for four years and kind of given them that consistency and that uh, that level of experience and obviously that level of talent that uh, both of those guys have as well. Uh, it really can make a big difference in some of these games. You know, we uh, we all know that you know what BC. I had last year, and then they lost uh, quite a bit of talent during the offseason, both to graduation and to, to transfers and everything. So uh, so when you can keep those guys around, it, it can kind of tip the steels in your favor a little bit. Yeah, and another team that lost a significant number of seniors last year is Hingham with 14 graduations. Um, 14 graduates, uh, they lose to Burlington 3 nothing in a Middlesex Freedom Division game uh, against independent Hingham. Um, 
It looks like the, the Red Devils have ripped off eight consecutive wins. What are you seeing out of Bobby Concession's boys? Yeah, another team uh, that has a, a standout senior, Ryan O'Halloran, who I wrote about for the Globe last week, uh, scored his 100th career point uh, right around New Year's Day. Um, terrific family. Um, you know, the, the kind of uh, the kind of kids. He had two brothers that played for Burlington. Uh, Bobby Concession said this is the eighth consecutive year he's had one of those brothers on that team. Uh, three sports standouts, you know, very loyal. Um, but Burlington is just one of these teams. They lost their first game against Woburn, and, uh, you know, people might have written them off a little bit early or whatever, but they They've, uh, they've kind of put it together, and he was telling me that they've kind of done it in a lot of different ways. They've had some high-scoring games. Uh, they've had some real grind-out games. Uh, the, the Hingham game might have been one of the first games where they really kind of I don't even want to say controlled it all the way through, but uh, they, they've just had a lot of really close, uh, grinded out affairs, uh, both high scoring and low scoring. Um, and, you know, the, the Middlesex League, a lot like the Catholic Conference, it's going to be a grind uh, pretty much every night out. And so for a team like Burlington to come through so far and uh, and rattle off eight wins in a row, now granted they haven't played Arlington yet, I don't think they've played Reading yet, uh, or maybe they have played Reading, I know they haven't played Arlington, but uh, you know to to put together a run like that in a year like this, uh, you know, it definitely says something because uh, it's, it hasn't been easy for anybody. A Catholic Memorial um, upends Falmouth 4-1, to one. Um, two goals for Gavin Havens, um, I'm sorry, two goals for Glenn Considine, uh, one for Gavin Havens, one for Max Casper um, in a 4-1 win. And, and nice to see Falmouth early in the season um, getting some of those good non-league games in. Yeah, Falmouth, uh, you know, they, they, they know they need to kind of challenge themselves. They, they got a little bit of a different league this year. The uh, the Atlanta uh, Coast League going away. Now they're in there with the Cape and Islands Lodge. They're in with Barnstable, um, with Nauset, and with Sandwich. So uh, so they, they have some good opportunity to go out and schedule some good non-league games. Obviously, they have the uh, the Buddy Ferreira coming up in February. But, uh, you know, Paul Moore can get, get an opportunity to get out and, uh, and take a look at some different teams. Um, getting back to CM, they've been kind of a funny team to try to get a handle on because of some of the uh, non-league games they played the first uh, couple weeks of the season. You know, they lost the game to LaSalle from Rhode Island, 7-2. to uh, They lose to Don Bosco, New Jersey. Everyone knows, you know, that's a pretty good power there. And then they hosted the uh, the Christmas tournament. Uh, this year, you call it a tournament, so to speak. It was uh, three predetermined games. And then they brought in two teams from uh, Colorado, Valor Christian and um, Regis Jesuit. And I believe they only played Valor Christian. Um my understanding of Valor Christian was coached by the former University of Denver coach, um, and I mispronounce his last name, uh, George Guadzecki, I believe it was, um, who coached you know Denver for a number of years. So that they were kind of an interesting team, and uh, and CM was able to beat them five to two. Uh, then they tied uh, Notre Dame of uh, West Haven, Connecticut, three to three, lost to them in a shootout. Uh, so they really the first. Uh, Five or six games, they hadn't even really played any uh, MIA teams other than losing their opener to Central Catholic two to nothing. Uh, so now for them to come back out and um, you know they beat Needham on New Year's Day three to one, then they beat St. John's Prep, they beat BCI, they beat Falmouth. So so now they're sitting atop the Catholic Conference two and zero. Oh, they've uh, they've won four in a row and. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. Obviously not the uh, the CM of uh, your, you know, not that any team ever is going to be probably as good as those Bill Hansen teams were. But uh, um, again, you know, when you can, you know, when you can put together three or four wins in a row, you can kind of really separate yourself a little bit. Uh, moving to the Catholic Central League, we have unbeaten St. Mary's beating Arlington, Arlington Catholic 6 nothing behind sophomore goalie Owen Giagrande's 22 saves. Uh, what did you see in that one? 
And that's, that's an interesting one because that isn't even the goalie that uh, St. Mary's was using early in the season. I don't know if they uh, have been using both goalies or if that was just a game where uh, Mark Lee threw in the backup. But uh, when St. Mary's beat, um, when they won the Christy Serino Classic um, and, and beat uh, Malden Catholic in the championship game and, and beat Austin Prep 2-0 um, in, the, in the first game, obviously back-to-back shutouts, um, it was a goalie named Sal Caruso who played in both of those games and posted the two shutouts. Um, so, so possibility that maybe they have a, a goalie rotation of sorts going on up there, um, you know, but a very solid, uh, well-coached, well-disciplined uh, defensive team that hasn't given up a whole lot of goals this year. They, they only beat uh, AC 3-2 to two the first time around. Uh, they tied St. John's Shrewsbury 2-2, two to two, their only blemish on their record so far, um, and then they've pretty much only given one goal, one goal, one goal, zero goals uh, ever since then. Um so maybe not the strongest of schedules so far, um, but, you know, they certainly have passed pretty much every test that's been put in front of them. So, uh, you know, they've got Austin Prep coming up tomorrow night at home. That'll be an interesting test. Obviously, they've beaten them once already. Uh, they have Hingham coming up next Monday at home on uh, Martin Luther King Day. Um, so a, pr- a couple of pretty good tests coming up for the, for the Spartans. We'll see, uh, obviously, if they can keep, uh, keep doing what they've done so far this season. Uh, moving to Division Two, we've got Canton with a, a 5-2 victory over King Philip in Hockamock League action. Um, Canton with a 35-game unbeaten streak. Um, I ask you this, as the dawn of high school hockey, uh, <laughs> do we have a number as to the longest unbeaten streak? Uh, do you know off the top of your head? I don't mean yes. to put you on the spot. Uh, I believe the longest well, – let me, let me couch that. I know the longest winning streak is in the 50s. It was done by – Northeast in the late 1980s, they had a um, Division Three power that had won three straight state titles. And they had gone unbeaten through two full seasons and into the third season. And I know that they tied Shawshine at one point early in that third season to end the winning streak, but extend the unbeaten streak. And then they wound up losing another game at some point. So I want to say the, the unbeaten streak is somewhere around 58 or so. Um, so I would say out of reach for Canton, at least as far as this season goes. Um, but, you know, 35 in a row in this day and age is, is certainly impressive, especially the way they did it when they were down 3-1 to one to Duxbury uh, a couple weeks ago during vacation week right, with right. A, a minute and change to go. Um, they score the goal to make it 3-2, to two, and then they pull the goalie again, and then, and then uh, Chris Lavoie scores on the shot from the point with 10 seconds left to pull out a 3-3 tie um, in a you know, battle of defending state champions. That, that was definitely a, a great gut check um point for 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 canton and um obviously they've got two ties this season um but you know just to to go as long as they have and uh and and to not lose on the ice they didn't have a a ton of turnover this year they still have a a fair number fair amount of you know players who were really key pieces on that state championship team from last season you know johnny hagan and lavoie and uh and players like that but you know they did lose a couple of really you know key players off of that team so for them to uh to keep rolling the way they have. Uh, oh, their other tie was uh, the Shrewsbury early in the season, three to three. So, um, you know, Shrewsbury's obviously got a pretty decent team this year as well. So, um, and, you know, kudos to Brian Schumann, you know, one of the criticisms he heard last year when they were being debated for the uh, potential Super 8 tournament was they just didn't have a strong enough non-league schedule. So he went out, he scheduled Shrewsbury, he scheduled Duxbury, which he didn't, didn't get last year. Um, you know, he plays Newburyport every year. He's got... Um, uh, you know, he's got a non-league game against Franklin in addition to their uh, league game. I think they play Braintree later in the season. Um, you know, so he definitely, you know, took the uh, 
the constructive criticism to Hart last year and, and went out and, uh, and, you know, challenged his team a little bit more. And, you know, you got to think that, you know, when they get into the tournament, those games, you know, those tie games against Shrewsbury and Duxbury, you know, when they were down and they really needed to respond, they'll, they'll have that experience now. Um, moving to uh, look at a team that um, with a move Norwood uh, over to the Tri-Valley League, uh, they double up Norton 4-2. to two. Uh, They are currently sitting at... Uh, I just want to make sure I got this right. Um, they are sitting at six and six one and one overall, uh, four and one in the Tri Valley League, the Tri Valley Large. Um, this seems like it's been a really good move for Norwood. Yeah, definitely. Not only for Norwood, but for Dedham is another team and uh, that moved out of the Bay State into the Tri Valley League. You know, those are those are schools that just you know they weren't fitting in anymore in the Bay State Conference. You know, you you, you can't really put them up against the you know, the, the Framinghams and, and the Wellesleys and, and, and the Needhams and, and schools like that that just, you know, overwhelm me with, with sheer numbers. Um, you know, I think uh, demographically it's just a, a definitely a much better fit in the, in the Tri-Valley. And, and it didn't happen overnight. You know, both of those teams, they kind of need to, you know, kind of go through the rebuilding phase a little bit and, you know, get themselves back on solid footing. And, and now you're seeing results. I did get to see Norwood last week against Hopkinson, and uh, I'm sure Chuck Allen is cursing me because it was the worst possible night to uh, to come out and see them. Hopkinson really put put a, a pretty good uh, number on him, 8-1. Um, but it actually, it's, it's funny, it wasn't that bad of a game. Norwood hit two posts and had a misfire on a breakaway within the first five minutes of the game. One of those things where, you know, you can say that, you know, they might have, you know, responded a little bit differently, but you never know what happens if, you know, you pop one or two early on a team and, you know, and just kind of change the tenor of the game a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to Hopkinson in a minute, but that's, uh, you know, Hopkins is an outstanding Division three team and obviously went to the state final last year. But, uh, you know, good move for, for both uh, Norwood and for Dan Lynch over at Dedham. Obviously, they're uh, unbeaten at, I believe, 9-0-1 right now. So, uh, you know, certainly was the right thing for both of those schools. Yeah, another team with a, in Division Two with a near-sparkling record is Boston Latin at 8-1-1. One, and one. Um, uh, one loss coming to Lincoln-Sudbury early on in the season. Um, but with wins over Tewksbury, uh, Concord-Carlisle, Haverhill, and Andover, um, Frank Wood's group looks like they're uh, same old, same old, um, strong as ever. Yeah, people kind of overlooked them last year. Um, I don't want to say overlooked them, but they were the one team that tied Canton. In the uh, in the Joe Quinn tournament during the February vacation, so they had that going for them. They went to the sectional final, and they were probably favored in that sectional final. They had uh, um, at least, I think, maybe a win and a tie, if not two wins, against Tuxbury during the regular season. And you know, just one of those things where you know, you know Tuxbury caught them on the wrong night and uh, and wound up winning the sectional title and going to the Garden. But uh, you know, for them to come back this year, obviously they they got some pr- pretty good talent, uh, two really good forwards, uh, Joe Bolver and, and Sam Hutchinson up front, and uh, and um, you know, some really good role players, uh, some good skill players. Owen O'Brien kind of filling in, uh, playing a key role for them. Um, they had that one weird tie against Latin Academy. Uh, uh, sort of a rival game the two uh, exam schools in the city they played them in the uh, first round of the Christmas tournament and Latin Academy came back and popped a couple goals on them late and tied the game and then wound up winning the game in a shootout and going on to the uh, the championship game in that tournament so um you know, in, in Latin, obviously, that league is going to be a tough league. You know, like you said, them losing to Lincoln Sudbury. They, uh, um, you know, Tuxbury is solid. North Andover is a solid team. There's three or four really, really good teams in that uh, Merrimack Valley dual county uh, division two. And uh, it's going to be a 
pretty good war the rest of the season, but uh, they, they certainly are, are one of the top teams in Division Two, no question about it. Yeah, and another team that uh, that's kind of opened some eyes this year is Plymouth North. Tim Drew and his group are five zero and one in Patriot League play. Um, they currently sit atop the Patriot League uh, ahead of Duxbury. Uh, goals for twenty four, goals against seven. Uh, so impressive so far out of Plymouth North, um, sitting overall at seven zero and two. Yeah, and they obviously they had two really good uh, results the last week or so that uh, that went against Duxbury. Where I, you know I tried to go back and look, and obviously they've only been in the Patriot League since I believe 2014-15, so not a ton of history with Duxbury, but they did tie him a couple times, uh, but had never beaten him as far as league play goes. And you know the question was whether they ever played each other, even going back into the the non-league days. But uh, you know for them to come out and and, you know win a, a solid game like that against Duxbury, and then they turned around last weekend they welcomed Marblehead was a really good division two team from up north uh, Marblehead's only loss being to Bedford New Hampshire who is the defending division one state championship from up there um, and you know they tied Marblehead 1-1 really good game down in Armstrong last week so you know definitely indicative that both of those programs are, are you know solid top division two teams to watch this year um you know and, and good for good for tim drew and plymouth north uh you know i get a chance to write a little bit about them for the globe uh, early this season after they won the the jim gormley cup um and get off to that great start and you know for them to be able to, to sustain that and keep it rolling and uh, and pull out a win against duxbury and you know you know it's it's not going to be easy to to beat a team like that in the Patriot League, and it's it's certainly not going to get any easier next year when Marshfield comes in. So, uh, you know, for them to establish themselves as a legitimate team to watch in that league is is certainly impressive. Yeah, and moving to Division Three, um, you've got Hopkinton sitting at the number one spot um, in the poll uh, again this week. They are nine zero and zero. Tell me a little bit of what, what's going on with the Hilltoppers. Yeah, like I said, I got a chance to watch them last week, and they uh, they're they're talented. They're really good. They have uh, they have uh, some some really skillful players back from last year. Sean Walsh is a senior who uh, put up seventy points last year. Um, he broke the hundred point barrier for his career. Uh, I believe he's only in his third season with the team. I think he played juniors his freshman year. Came out as a sophomore, only had maybe twenty five points or so. Uh, then just obviously lit it up last year playing with uh, with Stevie Simos who. Uh, graduated but uh so now walsh has kind of taken on the the, the mode of uh, being a player to watch on that team but they've got some some really talented players around him kyle rogers uh tommy hamblett they have a fresh name freshman named pavit mera i believe is his name uh who's going to be a potentially really strong player for them as well um so so they're going to be tough they've obviously uh put up some good scores in the Tri-Valley League. Um, they won the Christmas tournament out um, in Marlboro, uh, beating Algonquin from Central Mass in the final. So um, they're certainly on a good run. They uh, they haven't lost in regular season since Norwood beat them last February, and obviously they lost at the Garden in the state final against Wachusett. So, uh, you know, those two teams could be on kind of a collision course again because it seems like Wachusett is on a pretty good run in Central Mass as well. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if anyone can – can challenge Hawkinson as we go through the next uh, few weeks or so. Yeah, down in Division Three South, uh, we see uh, Dartmouth sitting at seven and one. Mike Capello's group uh, um, looking good early on in the Southeast Conference. Yeah, I, um, I'm just trying to remember who beat Dartmouth. Was it? I think maybe Bridgewater Raynham beat him because they were kind of in that. Um, new league, the old UCL disbanded. Uh, Boston went to the Atlanta Coast League, and now they've kind of created a new league with um, with Dartmouth, BR, and um, 
of Durfee, I believe Durfee, his name yep, as well. Yep, yeah, it was 4-1 yep. Bridgewater. Rainham beat him uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, so that's really their only setback. But, uh, you know, they're a team that you they always seem to be a little bit low on numbers. They might only have like 14, 15 kids on the bench, but they always have some, some really good talent. Uh, they always come up with a solid goalie. I know... Uh, um, you know, it seems to be the case again this year. Um, so they're, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. You know, it, it always seems to come down to the, the records and the seeding. And, you know, if you can avoid, you know, playing a Hanover or a Hawkinson or somebody like that in the early rounds and maybe hope that uh, that somebody gets, you know, catches them on a on the right night and knocks them off, kind of like what happened with uh, Hanover last year against Ashland, uh, kind of paved the road a little bit for a couple of teams. Um, you know, but Dartmouth always kind of seems to be in that mix. And, uh, you know, so they'll be, it actually looks like they might have better numbers this year than they usually do. I'm looking at their roster and they look like they might have, uh, you know, 18 to 20 kids in the roster. So, uh, so they seem to have a little bit of depth this year as well. Now, you know, looking at the rest of the top 15 here, the rankings, um, a lot of smaller schools, um, kind of lumped together. You've got Bedford, uh, Cambridge, not necessarily a small school, but maybe a smaller hockey population. And then Hanover, Holliston, Somerset, Berkeley. Um, what, what kind of is the determining, what do you think is going to, is going to be the thing that separates that group of say like one through seven from, you know, Hopkins, Hopkinson all the way down to Somerset, Berkeley, um, the, the one loss teams. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be a matter of you know, teams kind of getting on a roll. I know, uh, like, for instance, going into last week, both Bedford and Cambridge were unbeaten. Uh, Bedford lost on Wednesday to Newton South and then came back out on Saturday and beat Cambridge head-to-head and gave Cambridge their first loss. So that's a funny league that's always really tough to figure out. There always seems to be a surprise the score thrown in there every once in a while when you don't expect it. So, um, you know, you know Hanover is going to be there in the end that uh, that – um, lost to Martha's Vineyard back before Christmas is kind of looking more like an anomaly than you know a, a, a sign of trouble for for Hanover. I know uh, you know they might have lost uh, Manning Morris the other day. If I understand, he kind of uh, injured, got ha- suffered an injury the other day, so I'm not sure what his status is. But uh, you know that they always have the depth to kind of uh, you know fill in behind him. So so they're going to be a tough team, and you know whether they can get through the the Patriot League, you know, playing some of those uh, Division Two and even like Division One team like Duxbury if they can go through that without a, a loss or two. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot of jockeying for position and and hoping you get the right seeds and, you know, hoping you draw the right teams in the tournament. It's going to be, uh, as always, it's just going to be fascinating to watch because it's just a lot of, you know, different types of teams from, from different types of backgrounds all in that same mix. Yeah, and, and I'd, you know, be remiss not to talk about, um, you know, one of the bigger stories last week in North Quincy, um, Connor Kulig, who was a co-captain of the North Quincy hockey team, um, suffered a pretty scary injury in game last week. He seems to be, it, it appears as though, you know, from, from the news articles I've seen, you, you might have a better insight than I do. It appears to be he's on the road to recovery. Um, and, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to Connor and his family and his team. Uh, but a pretty scary incident there. Yeah, absolutely. I was hoping to touch base with uh, Maddie Gibbons at some point today and maybe put something together. Uh, I know I've seen a video clip, I believe one of the news stations had uh, a video of Connor from his hospital bed. And he was kind of talking about, uh, you know, he was hoping to be back, you know, at least walking and then hopefully back in the night soon. And I know the 
the indications are pretty positive as far as you know movement in the extremities and everything um so so definitely some encouraging signs there um but you know you just you hope for the best anytime something like that happens we've certainly seen our share of uh scary incidents over the years um you know when it comes to that you know certainly you know no it was accidental and nothing intended or anything like that but it's you know scary nonetheless when it happens so you just cross your fingers and you know hope for the best when it does happen and it, it seems like you know connor is certainly on a, on a good uh, on a good path on his way back yeah it definitely sounds like it and um for those interested it it, it appears as though um they are um it, it looks like they're they are taking donations um you know to help out um with the family uh if you go to the nq hockey uh twitter account uh, i believe there's a link in there um you know a gofundme type situation though so uh you know, if the, if if uh, if you're interested in reaching out to the family, um, check out at NQ Hockey on Twitter. Um, so, Jim, I have six questions for you. I, you know, we had talked about five of them, and I apologize. I'm going to throw in a surprise one at the end here. Uh-oh. Not to tr- <laughs> not to trick you. Um, the pop quiz. The is pop coming, qu- yeah. Here comes the pop quiz. So six yep. qu- six questions with Clarky. Uh, question number one: Surprise team of the year so far. Surprise team of the year. Oh. Um. Man, that's a tough one because um, you know it's been it's been such a hodgepodge. I will say my surprise team of the year is Shrewsbury. Um, they beat Framingham last night two to one. Now Framingham's a little banged up; they're missing uh, the Ball Ducci. But this is a team that made the transition to Division One last year. They only won three games. Then during the off season, they undergo a coaching change and they took over um, Terry Virtue, who um, I remember playing for the Worcester Icecats. Yeah, he had a cup of coffee in the NHL. I think he maybe played a handful of games for the Bruins. Defenseman, um, obviously settled down in the area. Took the Shrewsbury job during the off season. Um, I believe they were at five two and two. Overall, this year, obviously playing an independent schedule, not playing a central mass schedule, but uh, they had the tie against um, against Canton that I mentioned earlier. Obviously, they were the win the, uh, last night against uh, Framingham. So, so really intriguing team. Um, you know, obviously, we know what they've done in the D three level in the past, and they made the move up last year and, and kind of took the lumps. But uh, you know, if they can kind of go on a little bit of a roll and uh, and um, you know pile up some wins here, they, they could be an interesting team to watch in Division One this year. Question number two: Best team you've observed this year, whether it's through video or uh, in person. Uh, well, honestly, I have not been out to a ton of games. It's just been kind of a crazy off season. Um, you know, Hopkinson was the one team I saw last week that really, you know, kind of opened my eyes. And, you know, they kind of settled into that game after the first five minutes. And I've been impressed with Zavarian. I got to be honest with you. You know, they, they've had a number of years where they, um, you know, they get off to a fast start and then, you know, they kind of get into the Catholic conference schedule and they kind of settle back into the pack a little bit. But, uh, you know, like we mentioned, having, you know, those two seniors, uh, Ryan and Papaselli up there, uh, you know, if they can kind of get on a roll a little bit in, in the Catholic conference and, uh, and pile up some wins, they could definitely, you know, be a team to watch. And we obviously know what they were capable of last year, um, you know, going to the, to the Super 8 semifinals before losing that, that shootout game to BC High. Um, so if they got a little bit of experience from that run and, uh, and you know, kind of turn it around and, and use that this year to get you know just that a little bit better. They could uh, they could definitely be a real factor in in a month or so. Uh, best player question number three. Best player you've observed. Uh, maybe best player. Maybe most dynamic. Maybe most exciting. Uh, best player I've, I've observed. Um, you know, I haven't seen a ton of. Um, like I said, I just haven't haven't really gotten out and seen a ton of the Division One teams yet. Um, 
I'll, I'll throw the name Sean Walsh at you. Uh, Hopkins in Division Three, like I said, scored seventy points last year, and he's a he's a real difference maker. He had a play last week. He scored uh, two goals against Norwood, and the well, the one play he didn't score on was probably the one that impressed me the most. He was he came in across the blue line. He got knocked down off his skates, landed on his side, got back up, and still got the shot off and wound up hitting the side of the net because he just wasn't able to get himself reset in time. But um, you know, it just kind of shows the skill level that he has. I mean, there's a there's a ton of really good players out there, obviously. Anthony Missouri um, is a Division One commit that's going to a Northeastern, uh, you know, place for Arlington. Um, you know, Papa Sully and, and, and Ryan, obviously, as well. And, uh, you know, Pope Francis has got four or five really good young freshman players who are going to be really good if they stick around. Um, you, know, you know, it remains to be seen if that happens. But, uh, you know, just... Just one of those years. It's it's you know getting those kids that can stick in the program for for three or four years makes it makes a big difference for you. Question number four: Best goalie you've observed so far, or best goal, <laughs> best goalie performance, maybe. Best goalie performance. Uh, I mean, I probably have to give a nod to uh, the kid Sal Caruso from St. Mary's um, to post those back-to-back shutouts against um, Austin Prep and Walden Catholic in, in, the, in the Sereno tournament, and to uh, to have St. Mary's defensively playing as well as they are. Um, you know, he's he's solid. Um, I know that Wellesley has Drew Hubbard back, and he was an all-scholastic goalie last year, and he's really kind of kept, uh, you know, kept uh, the, the Raiders in some games this year. So, you know, the team like that certainly can't be counted out. Um, but, uh, yeah, n- another another tough one. You, you, you're you really killing me right now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Question five. This one might be the toughest of all of them. Uh, oh, best, best coaching job so far. Oof. Going to put me on the spot here. Oh, man. Hey, at least it wasn't worse coaching job, right? <laughs> no, no. We're going we're gonna to really see who my friends are now, huh? Oof. Ah, let's see. Wow, this is, this is a tough one. Uh, you know, is it someone like Will Ortiz in Framingham or, you know, a Chris Kucher at, at Malden Catholic now? Yeah, I mean, or? obviously Chris Kucher's got, uh, you know, for them to, to you know, to, to, for him to come into that situation he had and, uh, you know, they, they, they had a tie with uh, the St. John's Prep the other day. They, um, you know, they, they probably should have... And depending on what you ask, they either should have lost that game or won that game. You know, it sounds like St. John's Prep, you know, you know, control the play pretty well, but then MC popped a couple goals in four minutes, had the two to one lead until Prep scored with a second left to tie it, and then one in the, one in the uh, overtime. Um, I'm going to throw a different one out actually. DJ Conti up at Central Catholic. I know they've kind of been up and down a little bit lately, um, but this was a team that won only three or four games last year. Um, Obviously, they've had some great success in the past under both Mike Jankowski and then Ken Branvold, and then they came in last year and kind of really took the lumps last year. Um, but they've had some pretty impressive games this year. You know, they beat Catholic Memorial in their opener. Um, they beat Pope Francis in the Frady's tournament, and then went to the final and wound up losing a, a one or two goal game to, to BCI. I know they've. Uh, been a little up and down since they've gotten into the league games. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if a team like that can kind of get to the 12, 13, 14 win level and, and be in the conversation again for a possible Super 8 bit after what they went through last year, that's, uh, that's a, a nice job by him up there. Question number six, probably the toughest of all of them. <laughs> you just said that. <laughs> I know. That's I said number fair. five was tough, but this one, this one, I think this one might take the cake. Because oh, r- right now, um, Bruce Cassidy doesn't have the answer. Uh, and I'm not sure. I, I know I don't have the answer. You might. You've seen a lot of yep. it. Uh, how do the Bruins win a shootout? Um, 
don't do the shootout maybe i don't know <laughs> I, I i get so frustrated watching that because it seems to me i don't know you're a coach you, you tell me when they come in you know they do that dipsy doodle and they skate ahead you know up into the fifth row and then they come in and they're only going four miles an hour doesn't it seem like you're kind of giving the goalie the advantage in that situation by not really you know you're coming in from one side and you're you're not moving that fast and you're not really making them react i mean you think about how often a team scores or a player scores on a normal breakaway during normal game conditions as opposed to, you know, the success rate that they have in the shootout. Is it, is it, is it something having to do with just the, the, the instinctive reaction and, in, in, you know, the speed of the, the way it all, you know, develops and everything? I don't know. I don't have the answer. Uh, other than, fortunately, the MIA is going away from, you know, shootouts. Not, not you know, per se going away from it, but... With some of the overtime rules that they put in the last few years and you know, extended the overtime periods and everything, shootouts are becoming less and less common in tournament games. And obviously, you know, they don't happen at all during the Stanley Cup playoffs, thank God. But, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure to put on a single kid, whether it's a shooter or a goalie. Um, you know, can you imagine if um, a high school player did what Brad Marchand did last oh, they would talk about I, it. They would talk about that kid for decades in that school. Yes. Yes. Decades. Um, yes. A just, I mean, unconscionable mistake last night. Just focus, lack of focus. After right. be, being up 5-2 to two in that game and to lose in the shootout, and on the final shooter, the guy who's probably your number two scorer, to, to, to just have that kind of brain fart was just unconscionable. Um, right. They, I heard this morning, I was listening to the radio this morning, they said that the Bruins are 4 for 29 in shootout attempts this year, and they are 0-7 in the shootout. Yeah. Now, I remember, I remember, you know, several years ago, I remember the, the New Jersey Devils, I think, went 0-13 or 0-14 in shootouts one season, which is, you know, it's just absurd. You would think by accident, you, you know, a goalie would fall down and you'd put one into something, you know. Um, but uh, I just, I don't get it. Because it, it, to me as a fan watching it and just kind of seeing them do the same, you know, try the same things over and over and, you know, and, you know, if you're able to get a shot off, great. But, you know, try something different every once in a while. Put a different player out there. Should, you know, kind of give a team a different look or whatever, you know. I, I, I don't get it. But like I said, fortunately, in high school hockey, we don't have to worry about it that often, if, if at all. So, right. Know. Thankfully, although I, 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 I do remember, you know, this is going back a couple of years now, probably seven years or so. But um, Jim Tierney, who was the goalie for Oliver Ames at a yeah. tournament game uh, that went to a shootout. And I think it went 16 rounds. And Tierney went, and Mike Purnell from yeah, Medway. Yeah. yeah I mean, we had we had the video oh, of it from the from the Medway cable access. Just yeah. unbelievable. Um, it was. But I mean, it, it, you know, but think of the pressure that was put on both those yeah, guys. That's the yeah. that's your season on the line right, right there. Right, you know? right, right. And, you know, those are two top notch goalies and, and great kids as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just it's it's tough. You yeah. know, um, that's why I mean, people were groaning and moaning last year about the uh, the BCI Pope Francis game going on as long as it did at the Garden. But uh, I, I just don't want to see a, a state championship solved like that. I mean, it's it's tough enough that you have to go through it in the early rounds. And, and like I said, you know, fortunately, the the way the overtime system is, is set up now, it's happening less and less than it did when they first instituted the shootout. So, so that's a, good, a positive to come out of that. But you just hate to see it anytime it happens, you know, it's, you know, it's obviously, you know, dramatic and it's thrilling and everything, but it's, it's, it's just so tough on the, on the players, no matter what happens one way or the other. Yeah. You like to see a hockey game end on a hockey play. Sure. Sure. You know? And that's, I mean, when I first started covering high school hockey, there wasn't no shootouts. You know, you, you, 
not regularly, but every once or twice a year, you would have, um, you know, a game go to a third or a fourth overtime. And, you know, they had a couple of situations. I remember Belmont and maybe Arlington uh, back when Dick DiCaprio was coaching in Arlington. I think that they were playing um, at Ryan um, Rink and Watertown, played two overtimes, and then, you know, they, they had to call a game and come back, you know, find ice the following day. And that's really what the MIA is trying to avoid. You know, they, they understand logistically how tough it is to, to – you know, try to, uh, you know, go through that. But you know, I, I honestly, I think that that's a much better, you know, solution than, than try to go to a shootout. I'd much rather see that happen. But, you know, I understand, you know, financially and, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's difficult to do. But, you know, like you said, hockey play. Well, yeah. You know, let, let, let the kids solve it on the ice and, you know, let it be a team thing rather than an individual thing. That's just, you know, that's the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jim, where can people find you online, find your work online? Uh, well, obviously, I'm still at in a slot on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still uh, posting my, my links and stuff like that there. But obviously, um, HNIBonline.com is the Hockey Night website and BostonGlobe.com. Uh, find the high school section. I'll be doing my weekly notebooks and uh, contributing to the to the rankings and, and players of the week and everything on Fridays during the season. And then, uh, you know, we'll see what we what we do come tournament time, but that's that's a ways away. We still got plenty of hockey to go in the next next few weeks. Absolutely, Jim. Always a pleasure to talk to you on the podcast here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Brandon. Take care. All right.